Well, good morning and uh, good to see you here as we stand on the doorstep of uh, 2018. Wow, interesting. Whole year has gone by and uh, none of us knows what uh, this next year is going to hold for us. You know, we stand here on that doorstep and we're just kind of wondering what's behind that door. Um, But you know what, when we give it all over the Lord, whatever may come, His grace is sufficient to sustain us through that all. Well, I'm glad to be with you this morning for the opportunity to share God's word with you. And uh, I want to begin with a story of a man that was walking along a narrow mountain path. He wasn't paying much attention to where he was walking. He was just kind of enjoying the view. And all of a sudden, he slipped over the edge of the cliff. And as he fell, he grabbed a branch that was growing from the side of the cliff. Well, hanging there, he realized he couldn't hang on for very long. And so he began to call for help, as anyone would in that situation. The man cries out and he goes, is there anybody up there? The voice comes back and says, yes, I'm here. The man goes, well, who's that? And the voice says, the Lord. The man goes, well, Lord, help me. And the Lord says, do you trust me? The man says, yeah, I trust you completely, Lord. And the Lord says, well, good. Let go of the branch. The man goes, what? The Lord said, let go of the branch. And then after a very long pause, the man cries out and goes, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Humorous little story, but it it illustrates a point. And the point here is this. Like this dangling cliffhanger, are you ever afraid that God might be asking too much of you? Think about it for a moment. What would be too much? If God was saying to you, let go, just let go, what would be too much? I mean, our lives are built around people and things, things that we enjoy, things that we admire, a spouse, children, friends, a job, a hobby, a home, possessions, our health, a title, our future. These are the pillars and the beams of our earthly support system. And, and if one of them is, is removed, we sometimes feel as though the framework of our life is collapsing around us. But there are times when God says, let go of these things. And we believe that if we obeyed God, that the nuts and the bolts that hold our world together is going to fall apart. See, we've all been there. We've all had those life experiences where we have come to a point in the midst of hanging from that branch on the side of that cliff and God is saying, let go, and we're just not quite sure about the faithfulness of God to provide for us. Well, there was a man by the name of Abraham in the Old Testament who was very familiar with a number of challenging tests of faith. And in Genesis chapter 22... We have recorded the greatest test of his life, and I mean the greatest test of his life. It's a test of love. It was a test of obedience. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22 as we look at the first 19 verses and consider how Abraham responded to God's test to sacrifice his one and only son. Talk about a huge test of faith. The test was, Abraham, sacrifice your one and only son. How would you have responded to that? 
How does Abraham respond to that? You're probably familiar with the story, but we're going to look at the story in here just a, in just a moment, but I think it's important for us to sort of frame um, his life a little bit before we get into chapters 22 and understand the context from which Abraham had, had moved from, how God had worked with him over the years. And so if we go back to Genesis chapter 12, you don't need to turn there, but if we go back to Genesis chapter 12, we hear the, God, we hear the Lord saying to Abraham for the very first time, it reads like this, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Well, he was 75 years old at that time, and his wife was 65 years old. Not really the time that you would want to pick up and start all over again, but here God was telling them to move. The passage goes on, it says, as the Lord said to Abraham, and I will make of you a great nation. And so Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. And God says, and in you, that is in your offspring between you and Sarah, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham obeyed and left. Now this promise from God that was given to Abraham about this son of a nation all hinged on God one day giving to he and Sarah a son. But for the next 25 years, Abraham struggled with his faith in God about that promise. And during those years, Abraham was tested. In some tests he passed, in others he failed. There were several times that Abraham tried to take things into his own hands, or Sarah tried to take things into her own hands in order to be able to have this son that God had promised to them. And oftentimes things failed and got messed up along the way. But interesting, and thankfully, God continued to work with Abraham as God continues to work with us as we walk through life and as we experience along the way the failures and the successes and we can't dwell upon those failures. If we did, we wouldn't move forward any, but here was God moving and working with Abraham along the way. Well, and then in Genesis chapter 15, God once again comes to Abraham to reaffirm the promise of, of, of the son. And he says in Genesis 15, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. He says, your very own son shall be your heir. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So in spite of Abraham's challenges along the way of his failures to try to get ahead of God and move outside of God's plan as he was preparing things, um, God was still reaffirming his love and patience for Abraham. Well, maybe here you are here this morning, you've had your share of successes, victories as a follower of Jesus Christ, but maybe you've also experienced your share of failures along the way. Well, you need to know today that God has not discarded you, nor is he finished with you yet. I love Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 where it says, he who began a good work in you will bring that work to completion. It's God saying, it's what he's going to do in us and through us and for us. He's going to accomplish that work as he was accomplishing this unique work in the life of Abraham as well. He says, you shall have your very own son. But in the midst of that, there were his failures. And as you sit here on the doorstep of 2018, thinking about this last year and the failures and the successes, you might think to yourself, 
Is God finished with me? No, he's not finished with you. Because he's in the work of transforming hearts and lives, never forsaking, never leaving, but always working with. Well, so here was Abraham, as we progress into the story, once again, he's now at the age, if you've done your math, 99 years old. God comes to him again to reaffirm the promise. And in Genesis 17, verses 17 through 19, God says this, I will give you a son by Sarah. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And laughed. Said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I can't even begin to imagine. And the Lord said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac. Now, I'm convinced that God has a real sense of humor because the name Isaac in Hebrew literally means he laughed. That's what the name means. He laughed. And, and, and since I think it's very appropriate here that every time Abraham, after Isaac was born, he would call his son, he would be reminded of how he responded to God's promise that he laughed. And so as he called for Abraham, in his mind he's going, I laughed about that, but God provided in the midst of that. And then we read in Genesis chapter 21, verse 2, that the promise here was fulfilled. Just as God had said, Sarah conceived, bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. God got the last laugh. Hilarious. Incredible. But the faithfulness of God working with a man who at times couldn't believe all that God had said he would do, at times as he himself tried to work the plan himself to accomplish what God said he was going to do for him, God still worked with Abraham and provided everything that Abraham needed and everything that God promised he would provide. And so this gets us to Genesis chapter 22. And the first point to God's test of love and obedience is this. Watch for it. Watch for the test. God tests to confirm and strengthen our faith. Look at verse 1 of Genesis 22. It begins and it says, After these things God tested Abraham. Now you might say, after what things? Well, 15 to 20 years had elapsed between chapters 21 and chapter 22 when Isaac was born. And we last saw Abraham in the wilderness with his son Isaac. And so this would make Isaac a teenager or a young adult at that point in time. Maybe contrary to some of those pictures that you may have seen in children's Bibles of, of Abraham sacrificing a very, very young, small baby or boy. It's not really accurate there because, as I said, 15 to 20 years had elapsed between chapters 21 and 22. So Isaac here would be anywhere from 17 to 22 years old at this point in time, a young man. But then it goes on and it says, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. So as you look at that, there's absolutely no question here as to what is about to happen. God's going to put this man to a test. God was going to put him to a test, and God tests us in a variety of ways to confirm and strengthen our faith as he was going to do this for Abraham. Every test that God brings into your life or my life, no matter how small or big, it is an opportunity for you to move forward in your spiritual life and maturity and to make you more like Christ so that the world 
can see God's greatness revealed in and through you. That's how God works. That's why the tests come. That's what James chapter one, verses two, three, and four say, where James writes, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you, not if, but when you encounter various trials, because watch for it, they're gonna come. Trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. The question is not if a, t- if a trial, a test, a difficulty is going to come. The question really is when is it going to come, not if. Now understand, Abraham had been walking with God for some 35 years to this point. He had learned a lot about the faithfulness of God in the midst of his own personal failures. Now, so important here. God didn't put Abraham through this incredible ultimate test that's about to take place until he knew that Abraham was equipped and ready for the test. You see, God tests, and when he tests, and when those tests come come into our lives, they come when we are prepared for them. And God knows exactly when we're prepared. You know, it's unlike some of our former teachers who gave us those pop quizzes on information that was never covered in class. Been there? Had that experience? We all have. God's not like that. God is gracious. He is faithful. He's not going to test us until we're ready because God wants us to succeed. He wants us to know that we can succeed in the midst of the test, the trial, or the difficulty because he loves us, because that's who he is. Look at verse two. We read there, he said, and this is God speaking to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Wow. We hear this command from God and we say, what? Sacrifice? Your son? Sacrifice my only son that you promised to me? So why would God ask Abraham to do such an extreme, difficult thing? Well, first, and most importantly, understand and don't miss this. God knew, God knew that he wasn't going to have Abraham follow through and sacrifice his son. But second, God wanted to test Abraham in the most extreme fashion that he possibly could to understand, for Abraham to understand just how obedient he could be to his God. Even if asked to do the most incredibly difficult thing he had ever had to do. It was a test of love. It was a test of obedience. Did he love Isaac more than God? That was the question that was posed to Abraham. Do you love Isaac more than me? See, this test, if passed, would strengthen and further confirm Abraham's faith in God. You see, a faith not tested is a faith of little value. A faith not tested is a faith not proven. I mean, you've all seen those commercials on television or heard on those news reports of automobile companies who put their automobiles through those incredible crash tests, 
hoping that they will never experience that kind of extreme damage. But they do that in order to prove exactly how much an automobile can stand or withstand. And the same was true for Abraham here. His faith was going to be pushed to the very limit to see how faithful and how much he loved God. You see, God's goal is to teach us to trust him. To trust him with the most precious things of our lives. What was the most precious thing to Abraham? It was his son Isaac. God's tests that come into our lives may at times test the most precious things in our lives, the most precious, valuable things that we hold on to that we value dearly. The most precious gift of God to Abraham was his son Isaac. What is the most precious gift that God has given to you? What is it? Is it your health? Is it your career? Is it a possession? Is it your future? Is it a hobby? Is it your business? I don't know what it is, but God is saying, I'm going to put you to a test, as he put to Abraham to the test. You see, when something comes into our lives, and something happens that doesn't make sense, or seems unfair, or is incredibly difficult and hard, it's our faith being put to the test. That either God is allowed or brought into our lives to test us, to transform us, to shape us, to reveal to us and the world the depth of our love for God. And so when the tests come, and they will, the second point here is be obedient to it. Be obedient to it because God is faithful to sustain us through the test. He's faithful to sustain us through the test. Look at verses three and four. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. God had given this command to Abraham at some time during the night. And then early the next morning, Abraham immediately obeyed. Immediately obeyed. Now, if I'd been Abraham and had been asked to do such an extreme thing, I might have spent at least a day or two praying, fasting, seeking counsel from others, but not Abraham. Abraham immediately obeyed. Can you imagine how Abraham spent the next, not only that night, but the next three days? The questions that may have come from Isaac, the questions that may have come from the two servants as they traveled to where God had asked them to go. A three days journey for many, many questions to be raised in all of their minds as to what in the world was going on here. And I'm sure Abraham thought deeply about God's command to sacrifice his son as he traveled. And then at night, I'm sure he also played over and over and over again in his mind what God was asking him to do. But there was no indication, none whatsoever, that Abraham ever 
hesitated, not even for a moment. When he knew what God had asked him to do, he immediately responded and went and did it without hesitation. There was a commitment to obey and walk by faith and dependence upon God. And as we walk by faith, as we walk by faith, as he walked by faith, God did provide, God will provide the sustaining grace for us as it did for him to keep moving forward as difficult as it was for him to walk those three days in anticipation of what God had asked him to do. He continued to move forward in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the questions. Notice verse five. Verse five. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Wow. There's a lot in that verse. So much for us to consider. You know, when we're in the midst of a test, a trial, a struggle, we can experience the sustaining grace of God. How? By worshiping him. Now that may sound counterintuitive because sometimes in the midst of a very deep, dark, difficult season, we want to not worship, but we want to have a clenched fist and raise it up to heaven and declare this is just not right. But the reality is Abraham worshiped in the midst of what God was asking him to do, in the midst of what God was putting him through. It's one of the main keys to moving through a test, a trial, or a struggle in a way that makes much of God and puts you in a place to allow God to do an even greater work in your life. It is to worship him. It was Job who experienced the incredible loss of all of his property, the devastating loss of all of his children. And it says in Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, It says there, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground. All expressions of immense grief and sorrow, but it says, and he worshipped. He worshipped. He worshipped. And Job, in the midst of his worship, said these, The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord in all this. Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. How do you make your way through a difficult season of testing, of trial, of difficult, of struggle? Worship. Worship. Making much of your God in the midst of what you are walking through. A number of years ago, in fact, it was in March 2011 that I was first diagnosed with uh, Hairy cell leukemia. Some of you have been around long enough to kind of know a little bit of that journey. Went through the treatments and went into complete remission. But then it was on December of 2012 that I was then diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And again, went through treatments and things went into remission. And then May 2016, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma came back again. And went through treatments in remission but still undergoing some treatments and six more treatments to go this next year. We'll see how it goes. But I share all of that to simply say that some of the most valuable times of worship for me and for Becky 
have been as I've sat at the Illinois Cancer Care Center for what may have seemed like hundreds and hundreds of hours with the IV bags hanging over my head and watching the hundreds of thousands of drops of chemicals being pushed into my body and have had time to reflect and pray and pray and worship and read the word, listen to great worship music and sleep a lot when they fill you up with the Benadryl to keep from... uh, uh, potential reaction. But those have been some amazing times of worship for me and for Becky. Not times of asking questions, why me, God? This is so unfair. And I share all of this to simply say that you can get through this. God is faithful. He's faithful. He provides the sustaining grace that's necessary to walk through whatever may come our way. The time at the cancer center has been, thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for your sustaining grace as you've enabled Becky and me to walk through this and to make much of you. Because I've learned that it's not about my comfort. It's not about how I feel. But it's about my sovereign king and our desire and longing to make much of him. You see, my prayer has been and continues to be to represent God well through whatever comes my way, whatever comes our way. God has been and God will be faithful to sustain and provide. And we're excited for what God is doing. And we are humbled to be used by God in this way. But getting back to Abraham, notice his amazing statement. Not only that they are going over there to worship, But notice verse 5, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Is that amazing or what? Come again to you. Even though God was calling Abraham to sacrifice his son through whom this promise of a nation would be kept, Abraham had absolutely no doubt that God would work something out. You see, this wasn't a problem for Abraham. It wasn't a problem for Abraham to work out, but one for God who made the promise to work out. The writer of Hebrews explained Abraham's confident hope in this way when the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 says this, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Abraham continued to rely upon the faithfulness of God and that's what kept him moving because he knew it wasn't a problem for him. It was a problem for God to work out. The test of love and obedience For Abraham intensifies. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8. We read there. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, can't imagine this, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire, the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, 
God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Again, can't imagine all the emotions and the thoughts that were going through their heads at that point in time. But Abraham continued to surrender, and this is so important, to all of God's direction. He climbed the mountain. He built the altar. He arranged the wood. He bound his son, laid him on the altar, and stretched out his arm with knife in hand, ready to sacrifice Isaac. And it wasn't until that knife was raised that Abraham heard from God, in verse 11, where the angel of the Lord called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Again, I can't imagine the relief, maybe a little bit, that came over Abraham at that moment, and Isaac as well, the relief that he experienced at that point. But it had been a test. For Abraham, yes. For Isaac, I think, as well. And Abraham now knew he passed the test. And his actions revealed his love for God surpassed all other loves. All other loves, his love for God. He passed the test. Interesting, there seems to be absolutely no indication at all of Isaac's unwillingness to cooperate. I mean, he was old enough to fight against, to not be bound, but it appears he was willing to cooperate. Abraham, I don't think, could have offered Isaac without Isaac's consent and cooperation. And apparently, Isaac had decided to obey his father, whatever the cost, just as his father had decided to obey God, whatever the cost. That's huge. Notice it was the angel of the Lord, find this fascinating, that called to Abraham. This was a pre-incarnate manifestation of the person of Jesus Christ, or in theological terms, we call it a Christophany where we have a manifestation of the person of Jesus Christ. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you had God the Son who revealed himself as the angel of the Lord. We see this throughout the Old Testament in various places. In Genesis chapter 30, uh, 32, if you remember, Jacob who wrestled with God, it says, who saw the face of God. That was a pre-incarnate expression, appearance of the person, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. Or Moses in Exodus chapter 3, the angel of the Lord, it says, appeared to Moses in the burning bush. This will have a huge impact here in just a minute as we talk a little bit more about the type that we had taking place here, what God was also teaching as well. Interesting here too when you think about this though. The angel of the Lord said to Abraham, for now I know. I mean, he knew, but Abraham needed to know. Abraham needed to hear the words of affirmation from a loving, compassionate father. He said, for now I know that you fear God. Now be careful here because the fear of the Lord that Abraham had, as it's described here, is not a fear of retribution. It's not a fear of punishment. But it's a fear of respect and love 
There's two different kinds of fear. One of retribution, I don't want to do this because if I do this, I'm going to suffer the consequences and therefore I'm not going to do that. The other kind of fear is what Abraham had here was a fear of respect and love for God. It's like a child, a son or a daughter who has a fear of offending or disappointing their father or their mother whom they love dearly. You know, the child will obey and do all he or she can for the one that, that, that they love and respect because they realize their father is their source of provision and protection. And they don't want to do anything to disappoint that parent. And Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. God wants us, God wants you to get to a place where you obey him, not because of the consequences that you might suffer if you sin and disobey, but because we love him and don't want to disappoint him because he's given us so much, more than what we deserve. Do you see the difference here? We can obey because we're fearful of the consequences if, if we disobey or, we do, or if we sin. But God wants to bring us to a place of total surrender where we obey God because of love and respect and not wanting to disappoint our Heavenly Father. So please recognize that God will not give us more than what we can, are capable of handling. Let me say that again. Realize God will not give you more than what you are capable of handling as a gracious, loving Father whom we depend upon because he is faithful to sustain us through it all. And so the third point is, believe it. God will provide what is needed for the test. Believe it. God will provide what is needed for the test. Look at verses 13 and 14. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this very day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. When Abraham showed that he was willing to fully obey God, the Lord provided a solution. He pushed Abraham to the edge of the cliff and provided a solution. You see, God didn't want the sacrifice of a son. God didn't want the sacrifice of a son. He wanted the total surrender of a father. And in the midst of the experience, Abraham named the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. You can see the heart of Abraham here by what he chose to name that location. It doesn't draw attention to himself, but it draws attention to the Lord. He doesn't name the place where, this took, where all of this happened. He doesn't name it Abraham was obedient. He didn't want the attention to be directed towards him. But he focuses on God's mercy and faithfulness, not his own obedience. And we clearly see here that God is both the tester and the provider. Hence, the Lord will provide. You see, when God allows or directs a test or a trial to come into our lives, he will provide for us. 
So don't look at the test as an interruption to your life, but as preparation, as preparation for an even fuller life. You see, God's tests are often preparatory for greater things ahead. It took me a while to figure that one out. God's tests are preparatory for greater things ahead. His tests are never without a purpose. They are never random, nor are they accidental. They have a purpose. You know, we should also realize here from this passage that not only will God provide what is needed for a test or a trial that we might walk through and walk through it well, but God also used this event in Abraham and Isaac's life as a picture, as a picture of his future provision of a sacrifice. God was already laying the groundwork for the needed sacrifice, for the provision that we would at some point in time in the future need, a substitute for our sin. God back in Genesis 22 was laying the groundwork for preparation and how appropriate that it would be the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Trinity, who would be the one who would be have the engagement with Abraham here. It's a picture of the future provision of a sacrifice, a substitute for our sin. This event is an incredible type, it's called. It's a foreshadowing of something. And the foreshadowing here is of the death of Jesus Christ and, and how God would provide for you and for me a substitute for our sin. Think about it. Abraham represents God the Father who out of love for mankind gives his one and only son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for sinners. Isaac is a type of Christ who submits to the will of his father. Isaac carried the wood on his back as Jesus Christ carried his cross on his shoulders. It was three days from the time that Abraham left to sacrifice his son until they returned together. After three days, the Lord arose from the dead. This all took place where the Lord would give his own life centuries later on Mount Moriah, just outside of Jerusalem. Talk about the picture that God was creating, the plan that he was putting in place for us. Absolutely incredible. And the name of the place that Abraham named it is God Will Provide. Calvary, God Will Provide. And in the midst of God's provision, we can testify of his faithfulness and his goodness and his grace and his mercy that no matter what comes our way, no matter what in, comes into our world or our life, God is faithful to sustain. But then we read verses 15 through 19. Look there with me if you would. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as of the sands that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring 
shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Once through the test, the blessing comes. The angel of the Lord said to Abraham, I will surely bless you. For Abraham, it was that promised generation. It was his son who would begin the lineage that would eventually lead to the person of Jesus Christ. But what about for you? What about for me? What's the blessing that comes? I think when we've come through a season of testing, of difficulty, of trial, of challenge, I think it's renewed hope. Strength, confidence, faith, a deeper love for God, and the realization of his faithfulness to walk with us through the test, through the season of struggle. He's faithful. He's faithful. So here's the question. Are you in the midst of a test? A hurt? A heartache? If so, what's God calling you to do? What's God calling you to be? What's God calling you to maybe give over to him? The question is, what's your Isaac? What is your Isaac right now? What is your Isaac that God is calling you to place on the altar and give it over to him? What is that Isaac in your life? Is it your career? Is it your future? Is it a relationship? Is it your business? Is it your health? Is it a possession? God is saying to you, God is saying to me, do you love me? Do you love me more than these things? You see, God doesn't want to sacrifice. He wants surrender. Surrender of all you have and all that you are. Trust him. Trust him today to take control of whatever it is you are walking through. And it may be, it could possibly be that as we surrender it, whatever it is, that God might give it back, but he might not. And if he does, praise God for that. But if he doesn't, praise God for that as well. But here's the point. Keep surrendering. Keep giving it over to him. It's his anyways. It's his anyways. <laughs>